0: To the Feed You Podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello! Welcome to the Feed You Podcast. I'm Elisa Connor. And welcome to you, those who tune in every week for the Feed You podcast. I appreciate you being here. And if you're brand new, welcome. I'm so glad that you found me and that you are tuning in. This week, we are talking about team members and hiring your team and growing your team. And um, I know that can be a little bit scary. I'm kind of teetering on the edge of creating a team myself, and I have a couple of positions that I've identified in my business that I am looking to hire in the next two to three months here. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. As, as entrepreneurs, I think we, we have a little bit of the um, hold on tight to everything in our business mentality. You know, we've been doing it, we figured it out. And we know how we want it done. And a lot of us suffer from perfectionism syndrome. And it can be really hard to think about, oh, letting go of a few things and letting other people maybe try it because they might not only do as good of a job as we do, but even better. And it's a really hard um, move. But I am getting ready to take that leap because a lot of the mentors and people that I admire that have grown multiple um, seven and eight figure businesses have all pretty much said the only way you can grow and scale is by getting a team. So I thought I'd put together this informative episode to tell you some of the stuff that I've been working through to figure out, you know, who I want to add to my team and what, what duties <laughs> I'm going to offset to them, as well as, you know, how to hire And so I put a lot of thought and research into this, and I by no means have it perfected, but I'm willing to share that journey with you, and I'm hoping that you'll find it helpful too. So let's talk about just the basics. If you are going to outsource any parts of your business, you really need to be aware of are you hiring a contractor or are you hiring an employee? And there are some very big differences between between those two, especially when it comes to tax ramifications and business, um, how you handle that through your business. So just that, and I am not a tax accountant, I am just telling you what I have researched and found out. So I always advise you work with either a legal professional or a tax accountant to set this up correctly in your business. But this is just some basic information. So if you're working with a contractor, a contractor typically will set their own hours versus an employee who you set their hours. So if you have somebody that you work with on a consistent basis, um, like say in my business, that would be a web designer. I would not set their hours. Like if they were working for me as a contractor, I don't necessarily want any employees right now. I just want to work with um, specific contractors. And someday I may move into employees, but that's a whole nother ball game. But if you have a contractor you can't go you have to be here from 9 to 2 every day because they're no longer considered a contractor then they are considered an employee and that puts you in a whole different dynamic of responsibility as far as benefits and payment and all all sorts of things that you may not be ready to dive into so be aware that if that employee or that contractor is using your equipment in your office at a specific time those cr- criteria, um, that criteria could be taken by them at some point as an employee and they could come after you for, um, additional payment or for health benefits or whatever that might look like. So just be aware of that. You be very cautious about having employees or, um, I'm sorry, be very cautious about having contractors in your office using your equipment as contractors. Uh, If you're ready to move into the employee status, that's a completely different scenario. Of course, you would have that available. But most entrepreneurs that I'm working with don't necessarily um, want to move in that direction yet. Or if you're just starting your team, you may not be ready to move into that direction yet. So that's number one, is you um, don't control their work schedule. They set their hours. And I do a lot of contract work for people. In fact, that's the majority of my business. And so it's on a project basis. It's not on a time for money exchange for either a salary or an hourly wage. It is done on a um, project basis. So I give them a quote, I give them an invoice and then bill them accordingly to the schedule that we set up. So that's another key point. If you are working with a contractor, you have to get an invoice. They have to invoice you. You cannot just pay them, um, you know, random amounts and hope it works out your uh, tax accountant or your uh, accounting professional will almost immediately say you need an invoice and it's just a really good idea for your records and for the IRS if you are a contractor um, you will work under a W-9 form and get a 1099 from whoever has hired you for that project or for that contract at the end of the year. That's how it'll be processed through taxes. Whereas if you are an employee, you will fill out a W-4 and you will get a W-2 at the end of the year. Most of us have had some job of some sort in the past, whether it was in corporate or wherever, and you filled out a W-4 so you could get your W-2, they send it to you in the mail, and then that's what you turn into your tax accountant or use when you're preparing your taxes. Um, so, and then... The last thing is that they, uh, I I kind of went over this, but you would pay them a a complete amount for a project. And that doesn't mean you can't do multiple projects for that same entity. I've done that multiple times, but each one should be invoiced separately. And um, you should definitely be invoicing if you are the contractor or getting an invoice if you are contracting out. So those are just some of the basics around the differences between hiring an employee versus a contractor. If you have an employee, there's a lot more paperwork and a lot more money that goes into that. So just be aware of that and um, be, you know, choose which is best for your business. A lot of people are ready to jump into employees, but there are a lot of things behind that. And you definitely want to get some advice from somebody who is an expert in that area. That is not me. So that being said, when you're ready to create your team, you may be like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Well, a process that I um, started on, and this has been months ago, is that I started writing down the process that I take for every piece of my business that I touch. And let me tell you, some of these processes, you're going to be like, holy cow, there's a lot of steps to this. Uh, Let's take this podcast, for example. One day, I just jotted down all of the steps to create this podcast and that does not include creating the show notes, sending out emails, um, posting to social media, but just creating the content and recording and editing and all of that, the actual creation of the podcast. And it was 30 steps, 30 steps. Now, does it mean that, um, whoever I bring on to help with that is going to need to keep it to 30 steps or use all 30 steps, not necessarily, they may have their own process. But for me, I know exactly what I've done, and what I want to have done so that I can have a a measurement for that person that I bring on, or even a system or a process for them to follow initially. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes. So the first thing you want to do is take even if you don't do every action in your business, and it takes a while to do this, but do all of the major things you do. Um, for example, if you do an email marketing campaign, what does that look like? Like, How do you determine what the email is, what the subject is, um, how often they go out? Do you create a content calendar? All of those different components around an email campaign or an email system, how many emails are in the campaign, that sort of thing. And if you're going to outsource that to a copywriter, you need to then define you know, what kind of voice you want to have used. Um, who the target audience is. There's a lot of components. So when you write all that down, it makes it very easy for them to look at it and go, oh, I know exactly how to create and what to create. Even if you keep it at a a general level of um, content creation. The same could be said for any um, major components of your business that you create on a regular basis. So for me, that would be I regularly create websites. Uh, for my clients. That's part of their branding package. And so I have a process that I've defined and, um, I'm not even done with it. It is a really, it's a really long process. But what's nice about that is that, um, once you have it created, as you change it, you just go in and tweak it. Now, a great place to store these processes or start these processes, I use, um, Trello. And I, I kind of teeter between Trello and Asana. I like them both. Um, But for me, I I really like Trello. I can create boards and it's very easy and simple to use. If you are looking for a project management software, I would look at either one of those. And I'll link to them both in the show notes. What's really nice about Asana is that you can assign a project or project components to either somebody on your team or to a client. I'm not sure that Trello has that same functionality. I haven't used it in that way, but it's kind of the brain dump ground for me. So I'll just go in and I'll start typing out, you know, different pieces of the process. And then eventually I set that process up in Asana as a actual process that I can then copy and move over to a new project. So the duplication piece in Asana is also really nice um, because I can use that same process for whether I'm creating a... um, branding process for somebody, I have that process set up and I just duplicate it into a project and then share that project with the client. So Asana is also great. Um, it just, it really is going to depend on which tool you like. And then the third one I'm going to recommend, and I have not used this yet, but it's, it's intriguing. It's very pretty. I like things that are pretty, um, is monday.com. Now the thing with Monday and it's monday, like the day of the week.com, is that they do not have a free version. Both Asana and Trello have free versions, and they are very robust free versions. I actually have not even paid for the paid version because there is so much available in the free versions. So I will link to all of those in the show notes, but that's a great way to brain dump these processes and get out You know what, what you're doing, um, what things you're taking care of right now that you have to do, And then it's going to help you also identify the things that you can probably let go of or give to someone else. My mentor, uh, James Wedmore, who I probably dote about on this podcast often and too much, but he will tell you, and I happen to agree with this, that you really should spend your time doing the one thing that no one else can do in your business. Yes, it sounds brilliant and and easy peasy for him because he's a billionaire at this point. But some of us are struggling with like, okay, I don't have the budget to do that. Um, I was just at a conference last week and I went to an e-women conference and the founder and CEO of that company was the um, person that trained us. And her name is Sandra Yancey. And she also had the same mentality and has grown her business, you know, at least into the seven figures, if not eight figures at this point, I didn't ask, but, um, has a very successful business and she would tell you the same thing that, you know, you need to, you need to jump before the net appears. And that doesn't mean, you know, get yourself into too risky of a situation, but there's no way for you to grow to the next level if you aren't willing to bring some people in your team. And so I've been playing with this for at least six months and it's, it's very scary to try and bring a permanent person on, um, to your team when you've never had somebody there. But I feel like I've had to do some prep work to get that ready. So um, anyway, this is part of your prep work is to really start documenting those processes. And I want you to take a look at those and look at, okay, what are all the things you're doing? What are the things that you have to do? Only you can do them. And really, I mean, you may have to look at them and go, hmm, do I really have to do that? And that's a hard task right there, emotionally, mentally. Um, it's it's not easy for you to go, no, I really don't have to do that. But what it's going to narrow down is it's going to get you in the area that you love to do. And that's really where you need to spend your energy and your time to grow and scale your business. Adversely, you're going to see that there are things that you can do, but that you don't really need to do. Um, you may think that you have to send out every email, but you may hire somebody on your team who is an excellent email correspondent? Who that is their specialty? That's their genius zone, and they send out emails that get way more traction, way more open rates, and are really um, helping grow your business. And you didn't even know that this person existed until you started to outsource parts of your business. And then the last thing is, you know, what do you not need to do at all? Like for me, number one, I do not need to do accounting. I need to be aware of what's going on in my books, but I do not need to do bookkeeping or accounting. They are not in my genius zone. They just frustrate the heck out of me. And so um, I have an accountant right now and she takes care of my yearly taxes and my QuickBooks and all that sort of stuff. But I am also looking for somebody to take over the bookkeeping because for me, that is where the work is, is trying to put all of that stuff together, whether it's you know populated automatically into QuickBooks or not. I really don't want to spend my time doing that. So those are the things that you um, should do and take a look at prior to even looking to hire somebody. Now I may um, seem a little controversial when I, when I talk about this next piece, which is actually the hiring um, and choosing who you want to hire. We have um, moved in the direction of really wanting to hire for culture as a society. And I think it comes from the millennials, but people can get really tripped up on the culture, thinking that it has to do with bags in your office and having um, a foosball table and you get to wear jeans every day. Um, and that's really not culture. Culture is really based on the values of you and your company. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs skip this step. And this is something that we do as brand, um, in the branding process when you work with me as we sit down and we talk about your values and the values you have for your company. And then we create your brand around that because that really is a foundational piece. So if you haven't done that yet, uh, I recommend that you do that. And there are some questions I will give you in a few minutes to get you started. But what that looks like is, you know, what... Um, what, you know, what is your company? What what does your company do? Why do you show up every day? Um, And, you know, is your company really working with putting their values and their culture first? And that it doesn't matter if it's just you or if it's a team of three, you have personal values. And those personal values will bleed over into your business regardless, because you are your business. So when you're looking at those values, you may just want to take a minute and jot them down. Um, I have a sheet that I use with clients that lists out all these different values. And I I actually purchased um, a brand value deck at one point for my business that started me on this, but it gets people really thinking about, you know, what is the most important piece that they are putting out into the world that they value. And it can be things like community. It can be, um, integrity, authenticity, there's all kinds of different values out there. And I don't want to get too stuck on that. But you really need to define what those are for you and for your company so that when you're going out to attract employees, you can find people that resonate with those values. Now, there's some thought about, oh, I should always hire for somebody that knows already knows how to do email marketing or somebody that already knows how to um, work Instagram to grow followers. I am going to challenge you because I think that all of those skills can be taught. And yes, you may find a perfect fit for somebody that already has all of those skills and also aligns with your values, but I think aligning somebody with your values and giving them the opportunity to learn and grow with the company is a much better long-term plan. If you can find somebody that resonates with you and the values that you are bringing forth of your company with your company, That person is in it for the long haul, typically, if they're really in alignment, and they are um, in the same belief mode that you have for your company, and for where you want to go, and for how you want to impact the world, that is much harder to find than it is to just find somebody that is a good virtual assistant. You may start with a virtual assistant that isn't in alignment because you just want to start and try it out. That's fine. Do that. But the long-term haul is you really want to look for somebody that is in alignment with your vision, with where you want to go, with how you want to impact the world, and that they believe all of the, the same core pieces that you do about how to show up in the world and how to treat people. That's really what it amounts to. And that person can then be trained there is training at the kazoo for anything in the world that you want to do. So even if you're not an expert at it, you can buy a course and put them through the course. Um, In fact, I recommend it because we can't be experts at everything. But if you find the person that is in alignment with all the other components of your business and they just need to be trained on Instagram or Facebook or Facebook ads or whatever that is, they can be trained. You can't train values into somebody. So enough of my soapbox. Um, But I just, I really wanted you to be aware of, of how that looks both culturally and value-based in your company. So some ways to uh, define your, your values is that, you know, you need to define those for yourself and it's good to have them somewhere, not just put them on the wall. That's, that's another thing is a lot of people define their, their values and they just stick them on the wall and they don't live them. Well, values are living, breathing things, and they are going to change just like your business does and evolve and get more specific. Um, The general undertone of them will remain the same. But you need to practice them every day. And so maybe that means putting them in front of you. And maybe, maybe it's just part of your integral character, and you already know that. But it's a good idea to write them down because you're really clear about it then. And so when you're bringing somebody in, and you're interviewing them, and you're talking to them about becoming a part of your team, you have them right there. One of the examples for hiring that was given to me last week at the conference, I thought this was brilliant. That's why I borrowed it. um, Is to, when you're hiring, it's really hard to hire for values. And so when I was doing research for this, I came up with a couple of um, examples of what some other people have done. But rather than asking your prospective employees, hey, what are your values? Because they're, you know, a lot of people will just be stunned into silence, they won't know what to say, even though they have values, they don't know how to communicate them, is to have a list and say, okay, here's the top six values for my company. I have to get rid of one, which one would you get rid of? And them answering that is going to tell you tons about what, you know, what they will be like working in part of your team. It's kind of a weird, tricky question. But if, um, independence is a value and they're like, no, get rid of that. They may not be the best go getter, um, independent employee, and they may not be a good fit for your organization. Or if they get rid of a different one, um, it will teach you, it will help you learn more about the way their brain th- thinks and the way that they go about making decisions. Now, the other example that, um, I came across was for a travel company and I thought this was really a great idea. Now, of course they're a bigger company, but they do a group interview and they actually um, have the interviewees uh, do a project. And one of them was that they had uh, these little eggs that had to go through a travel journey. And what it taught them about the prospective employees was, you know, how do they work together as a team? Are they open to new ideas? Are they independent thinkers? Will they think outside the box? all these different things were displayed during that group interview so they would know whether or not those those prospective employees would actually be a good fit for that team and i think the last component of this is that we get really stuck in oh we want we want them to be part of our team we want to but not everybody's going to be a good fit and weeding those people out just like you would in your sales funnel in the beginning is going to save you time it's going to save you headache it's going to save you frustration So be okay with not everyone being a good fit. So we've talked a little bit about values. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about skills and how to get people up to speed. Um, There are several ways to do this. One I just talked about, which was getting them involved in an online training program. Most of those training programs have a a Facebook group support or some sort of live support. Um, Make sure that they're, you know, engaging in that piece of it. And then it's always a good idea if you put somebody in that program to have them keep you up to speed because even if you already have gone through the program, it's going to tell you, you know, what they're learning, how it's different from what you learn and whether or not they're actually getting the skills that you need them to have. The other piece of that is that if you have multiple team members. You can actually have people cross train and it's all, you know, as you grow, um, you may have a virtual assistant that moves into the integrator role or, the, you know, it's called an integrator project manager or team manager um, because they've been with the company. So maybe they're giving up their VA role, but they can cross train that new virtual assistant or that new um, administrative assistant. And so doing that cross training and having those processes documented will, bring, will really help onboarding happen quickly and efficiently and effectively. Uh, the other um, piece of it is that let people bring their own special sauce to the process and to the procedure and to their job skills because they may have some outside box way of thinking about it that you never even thought of and you're like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. It saves us double the time and why didn't we think of this before? So everyone has a creative, um, different experience and information that they can bring to your team. So allow them to have that creativity. And don't, I I really feel like, and this is so hard for me to say, but I really feel like if you just let go of the reins a little bit and let the people that you brought on have um, the trust and confidence from you that they will do a good job, no matter how it comes out, you're going to have more success. And you're going to have a team that really um, can get behind you and your company and do a good job and you're not going to have to worry about trying to control everything. So if you're um, a control freak, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a recovering control freak, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but if you can let that go a little bit and just you know give them a general outline of how you want things done and let them take it from there, you may be pleasantly surprised. Another piece of hiring that I wanted to talk about was whether you are on your own or you have multiple people on your team, think about getting more than one person to interview that potential client. And this could be if you have a um, power partner or you have other contractors that you already work with or whatever that looks like, um, you know, just to ask them if they would do a quick interview with your potential employee. It could even be a good friend just to get an outside perspective, because sometimes we go into hiring and trying to bring people on board and we have blinders on. We're not seeing the whole picture, good or bad. And so having that second point of view when you're trying to um, bring on new team members, it, it can only help you make a, a good decision and a better decision. So somebody that's close to you in your business and understands your business, and that could be, it, they may not even be an employee. It may just be somebody that has a similar business that you have a, a really good relationship with. Ask them to just, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes. Maybe you take them to lunch or something as a a thank you. Um, But just have them do a couple of interview questions or, you know, a short interview to see what their perspective is. And then you guys can compare notes over lunch, maybe even wine. Some questions. So I have about, let's see, one, two, three. I have about eight questions that you um, can ask yourself. The first three are really related to... How you're going to give up tasks to other people and how you're going to empower them to do a good job for you and empower them to bring their own personality and special sauce to your company, the process, and the team. So those are the first three. So let's go through those. Um, The first one is, is how are you going to give that employee or that um, contractor ownership of the tasks and processes? And that's ownership, like where you're giving them um, the ability to creatively complete the work and also ownership of any, um, tools, software, uh, any, anything that you have previously used to complete that task, whether they have access to it or you have shared access to it or whatever that looks like. So just, you know, you probably want to make some notes about what that looks like because that could be like your CRM. Do they need access to that? Do they need access to your email, um, service provider? Um, Do they need access to certain reports? Do they need access to Facebook? Like just make a note of all of those things because those are sometimes things that we take for granted when we're creating our processes and they can't truly take ownership of that role without having access to all of those different components of that role. So it's really a good idea to just kind of make a little brainstorm for yourself when you're creating your process. Um, That's just something that I noticed that I um, can often overlook because it's habit. It's just habit for me to take care of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have this, but then I don't give them access to that. So um, think about that. And then what other skills or tools do they need to succeed? And we talked about this a little bit. Maybe they need online training. Maybe they need to go to an in-person training. Maybe they need to sit down with you and have some one-on-one training. What does that look like? How many times does that need to happen? and what is a good measurement of, of whether or not they have an understanding of what you need to have done and how you need to have it done. And I think that last piece of measurement is really important because a lot of times we can put people into a course and maybe they aren't understanding it. Maybe they they can't learn that way and they need to be learning a different way or they need to have a combination of learning. I know for me, um, I'm a very... Audi- um, audible learner, like I can learn listening all the time, and then also a writing, so I'm very tactile. But some people are very, uh, they need to read it, and then write it. So figure out their learning style, and then just make sure that that's accommodating, and then somehow have measurement of what they've learned to make sure they understand. And you may even have to just double check what's what they're doing, what they're producing, but don't do it in a way of like, oh, you're not doing it like I did, because that will just deflate them and it's not going to give them the confidence to move forward or feel like they're supported by you. So it's a very fine line, but also essential for you to determine whether or not things are getting done the way that they need to be done to efficiently and effectively run the business. And then the last question is, how can you continually and effectively communicate company values and make sure that the company values are being integrated into everything that is done. Because that really is the brand of your business. If your values and the way that you treat people and you treat, and that goes from everything from vendors to customers to people you meet at networking events uh, everybody that you treat, if they aren't in alignment with your values and how you would treat those people, there's going to be a problem. And that's putting your reputation and your brand at stake. So living those values, making sure people are in alignment with those values. In fact, Sandra um, Yancey of eWomen, will act, she requires that if more than two people are gathered at an eWomen networking event, that we recite the values. And I'm not going to go into the values, but that's a really great way to keep those values top of mind and make people aware that this is what this company stands for. This is what this organization stands for. And it could be printed on the wall. It could be everybody gets a little three by five card. uh, You talk about it, however you want to do it, but just keep those top of mind because that's going to keep people in alignment with the integrity of your business and your brand. So let's talk about questions to define those values because it can be a little overwhelming and you don't really know where to start to create those values, especially if you're an entrepreneur and it's just you and you just opened your doors and you're like, "I don't know, I know I believe this and this and this, but you've never really documented uh how that works in your company. This can be a good refresher and a good stabilizer for um where you are now and where you want to be, and also um a good alignment tool for those that you want to bring on. So the first question is, is really what is your company's purpose? Like what is it that you do in the world beyond making money? Of course we all want to make money. We're all business owners, we're all entrepreneurs, but there's a purpose of why you started your business that is bigger than that. And it's important for people to be in alignment with that, including you, um, but specifically people that you're hiring on to be in alignment with that purpose. So let's use Starbucks, for example, I just happen to know theirs off the top of my head, their underlying um, purpose was to give people a place, a community where they could gather and enjoy coffee, and friendships and conversations and that, and they have done that very well, regardless of if it's a pop up in a, in a grocery store, they still have an area where you can sit and commune, or if it's an actual Starbucks store. So think about what that is. It doesn't have to be this huge underlying, oh, I want to change the world and build um, houses in, you know, New Guinea or whatever. But it, it can be that. But I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that big. It can be something that is very relatable to your business and also in alignment with what you what you do on a daily basis. So for me, my purpose, the reason I started my business was because I saw so many entrepreneurs frustrated and spending money in areas on marketing and social media and advertising and all the, and they weren't seeing any traction. So my purpose was to give them some education around what they should be doing, um, where they should be showing up and what really needs to happen with their specific business, because not everybody needs to be everywhere. So giving them a place where they can get educated and informed and get the help they need to align their business so they can make more money. That's really my underlying purpose. That's why I started this. I was an entrepreneur who just dove in um, to multiple businesses, had no plan of action, no foundation, no um, no roadmap, and I just won it for a really long time. And then when I created that roadmap, your brand... When I created that roadmap, it made it so easy because then when I look at it, I'm like, oh, well, this is easy because I know this is where I'm going. This is who I'm helping and this is how I help them. So anytime that I make a decision about adding a new component into my business, I just refer back to that roadmap. And I think a lot of people are missing that roadmap. So think about your purpose and um, it is bigger than just making money. And then the, the add-on piece of that is like, how are you changing the world? How are you impacting what's happening outside of your business? And it could, that usually goes back to who you're helping. And so if you're using me, for example, my business, um, I'm impacting, my impact is helping other entrepreneurs be successful and watching them succeed. Because with that roadmap, I can see their profits go up. I can see their expenses go down. I see that they have more time. Um, One of my favorite sayings with my clients is, I want you to work less and make more. Make more money and work less. Um, And that doesn't necessarily that the, the work doesn't get done. It just means that maybe that person isn't handling the work or we're streamlining what they're doing. So think about that bigger impact because when they make more money, they can help more people um, they're all, all of the people that I work with are very philanthropic. So they're not only helping uh, their customers on a, on a more detailed or more, um, a bigger basis, but they're also helping the world in a, in a bigger way. And so think about what that looks like and how you want to um, go out into the world and share that piece of it. And then the third question is, you know, what do you want to be known for? A lot of us just really get stuck here is, you know, what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for um, pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> like Starbucks? Do we want to be known for a specific product? Do we want to be known for um, the philanthropy that we that we put out into the world? How This is big picture stuff, but it really is important for you to know, you know, what is it you want? And this may not come to you really quickly. These are questions that are like journal questions. Think about it, journal about it think about it again, journal about it again, and it'll develop over time. It isn't and it likely isn't going to stay constant. It'll probably continue to develop as your business develops. But it's good to have a starting place. And so, think about, you know, what do you want to be known for and how do you want to come across into the world and to the people that you're trying to help? This is a big one and this is a good one. But how do you treat employees, vendors, Customers, anybody that your company interacts with, how do you treat them? How do you go about those relationships? Are you a one and done? Most of you are not. I don't even need to say that out loud. But uh, you know, do you continue the relationship? How do you nurture that relationship? When you see somebody again, what does that look like? Feel like when somebody is a new client, how do they come on? When they're a continuing client, what does that look like? What is that process like? Um, Most of my clients, I try to spoil them. Sometimes I'm a little late in spoiling them, but I always do something special for them, something outside the box, um, something they aren't expecting. And I, I try to do a little something extra for them because they're important to me and I want them to feel important. And so think about what that looks like for you and your business and your um, and even your team. Like how do you want your team to feel when they work with you? Because that's another um, component is if, you have, if you're burning through um, contractors or team members, there's probably something off about communication or um, the connection or whether or not they're in alignment with you. So um, think about that and write it down, journal it out. And then the last question to kind of nail down your values and you can do one or all of these. I didn't they're not all required, but they're all good thinking journaling um, questions that you can work through as you're going. But why do you do the things you do and act the way you do? Now, that's a pretty deep question. And it probably goes back to, you know, your values being raised. And that's why I say your personal values and your business values are very closely related. Um, It's just a matter of taking those personal values and creating them in a way and a statement that can be applied to a group mentality. So, think about that. You know, why do you do the things you do? And why do you want to make the impact in the world that you want to make? And why do you act the way you do? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't want to modify your behavior because sometimes you look at things and you're like, oh, I don't really want to be acting that way. Or I want to be able to modify that. And it's not a judgment, it's just be aware of it because if you do want to change it, this is a great time for you to you know, rewrite that and say, nope, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to act this way. And we are not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're human beings. Lord knows I'm raising my hand. I am not perfect. But um, I will do my best to continue to improve. And uh, I continue to evolve just like everybody else does. So that's why I say your values can't usually stay the same because your business will grow. You will grow. Everybody changes um, and evolves over time. So I hope this has been helpful for you and you have some uh, ground to start growing your team or, or, you know, even just hire your first contractor and you have some groundwork to um, get you started on that. But I will put all of this in the show notes and I I will actually write out the questions for you guys. And then also um, just do, you know, a recap of all of the points, you know, how to focus on culture, how to um, look at the skills. And then really that process mapping is just, uh, it's a killer to do it. I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of time, Uh, but it is the saving grace for you when you are ready to bring on those team members, bring on those contractors, because they know exactly what you do and exactly how you want things to move forward without giving them, you know, So much control over how they do it. It's just like, this is what it is. Now go do it in your own way. Thanks again for tuning in this week. I so appreciate you guys being here. I hope this has been helpful for you when you're looking at hiring your team. And um, I really hope that you will look at values versus experience when you're looking at bringing on those people because you really want those people that align with you and your vision and where you're going with your business. Next week, oh boy it's everyone's favorite. Next week, I am going to be talking about how to choose the right email service provider for your business. Now, people get really confused about email service providers, and they think, oh, I have Gmail. Well, an email service provider is the component in your business that you connect to all of your sales funnels. So it is not the same as sending an email through Gmail. And so we're going to talk about some different providers. And then also more importantly, what to look at when you're choosing a provider to make sure that it integrates well with what you already have going on and with where you want to go. So thanks so much for tuning in this week. I appreciate you being here and I look forward to seeing you next week or talking to you next week. And again, if you have any input about this episode or previous episodes and you want to send me a direct message over on Instagram, I'd love to hear from you. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next week. Take care. This episode is being brought to you by my new free training, how to create an irresistible opt-in that people actually want. You know you need an opt-in. Everyone's told you you need an opt-in. What they haven't told you is what to create, how to create it, and for the love of Pete, how to connect it to both your email service provider and your website. That's why I've created this free training to give you the inside scoop about how to do all of those things. You don't want to miss this free training, so take this time right now to go sign up at com forward slash simple because I am going to help you create the simplest process that you can repeat again and again every time you need to create a new opt-in and a new download that attracts those people, grows your lists, and grows your business. Again, join me for the free training at alisaconner.com forward slash simple. See you inside. www.alisaconnor.com forward slash podcast.